What's up, everybody? I'm Rodney. I'm Jamal. This is Pence. And I'm Kaiser. And we are Under Construction. Construction. All right, so this week we're going to just hop into it to our segment called What the Puck? What the Puck? What the Puck? So this week, the Hurricanes swept away those New York Islanders, those nasty transplants. Guys, what do you guys think of the, the Hurricanes so far? Uh, do you think they're, they're playoff favorites? Uh, what do you guys think? Alright, so being the, the resident yeah. hockey black no. guy, <laughs> I won't bore you with too many technical hockey terms, but uh, there was, you know, the Hurricanes were essentially the equivalent of a seventh seed this year. The NHL changed their playoff format uh, to kind of match the MLB playoff format, um, except with eight teams instead of six. Okay. Uh, they were 11 games out of the final wild card spot before the All-Star break. Wow. They ended up having the third best record in the league after the All-Star break, and that got them to the, the, uh, the seventh seed. And so, just like any sport, it's really all about when you get hot. Mm -hmm. and can you carry that yeah. momentum? Yeah. And they've been Telling able to... Football, yeah. Right. They've been able to do that uh, through the first two rounds. You know, they were able to beat the Washington Capitals, which were uh, essentially the number two seed and the defending champs. And then... Uh, they go to beat the island. You know, a lot of people have to beat the Capitals, but they're going to get stomped out by the Islanders. Yeah, although, yeah. although the Islanders, you know, weren't like a great team. You know, they overcame some odds uh, in their first round matchup. Mm -hmm. But to sweep the Islanders, I think, says a lot. And yeah. this Columbus-Boston series is is big for Carolina because Boston would be heavily favored, whereas Columbus is essentially the last wild card spot. So you would have a seven and an eight seed in the Eastern Conference Ooh. Finals wow. uh, in the NHL. Wow. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but that would be big because then you would have to favor Carolina to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals. A.K.A. things that will never happen in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, first off, let, let, let me say this. No matter what sport it is, Anytime a Carolina team can beat a New York team, it's, it's always a good day. It is just absolutely glorious. Like, like, so yeah. Let's let's get that out. You know, first. But um, I, I'm not able to give you guys a ton of stats, just like Kaiser was. But with everything that's happened with this with this Hurricane team this season, they like like Kaiser say they they started off a little slow. Then they then they had the whole bunch of jerks thing happen, mm -hmm. and for them to be for them to get their first ever sweep in a seven-game series in the history of their franchise with the coach who was yeah, on their only championship team. Like, I, it's just, it's, it's pretty dope. It's, it's pretty good. It's man. And um, <clears throat> last week, I told you guys that I didn't want to watch any games because I was afraid I was going to jinx them. Right, and <laughs> I just want everybody to know that I've been able to watch two games, and they won, and they won both games. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, right. so I watch, I watch game three, and I watch game four, and it's funny because during game three, um, it was a, it was a close game throughout the first two periods, and it was it was Carolina went up one zero, then it was one one, Carolina went up two one, and then it was like two two. And then Carolina basically just said, okay, well, we're done playing with you now. And then they said, you know, it's like 5-2 or something. And the first two periods, like, you can feel the crowd being very tense because they didn't know what was going to happen. But that third period came and, like, it, it just got further and further away. Yeah, and it, and I think they were they were up 4-2. There was about a minute and 23 left in the game. And they got, what's, what's the hockey uh, equipment of a fast break? 
It's a break. They call it a breakout. Okay, breakout. breakout. Okay, okay. <laughs> so they got a breakout, and I'm sitting here thinking, buddy, just gonna take the, the puck and just kind of like kill some block. Nah, he scored. He went to score. <laughs> he went to Which score. Islanders fans are mad at uh, uh, a hole from the Hurricanes because he scored an empty net goal after it was already four um, two. But that's he didn't want him to score the empty net goal. Stop. He should have stopped him. So yeah. uh, you know, I. Uh, the, the Hurricanes are kind of the, uh, you know, Joel Embiid said something recently that I don't agree. He said that chemistry, essentially said the chemistry is overrated. Yeah. You know, uh, teams like the Hurricanes disprove that. Mm-hmm. They are not nearly as talented as the team that won, you know, the team that won the Cup in 06. They had a future five-time All-Star in uh, <coughs> Eric Stahl. They had a future all-star goalie in Cam Ward. They had Rob Brennamore, two-time defenseman of the year. They had a really talented team. Mm-hmm. This team doesn't really have as much uh, talent as, you know, even the Islanders, you know, have more talent. Right. And they've been injured throughout the playoffs, but they just have that good chemistry. They're very aggressive. They, they have a sound defensive scheme. Rob yes. Brennamore is doing an awesome job as a rookie head coach. Take note, James Borrego. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. How, Don Cherry recently kind of doubled down on some statements, uh, called us front runners, and basically just you know what? solidified the jerk. What do you guys feel about that? Don Cherry, we all front runners. Screw you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've said this like a whole bunch of times, man. North Carolina professionally needs something. Get off our sack, man. We look. The Hornets have struggled. The Panthers they make the playoffs. Can we have something, Don Terry? Is it okay? Like in every single sport, man, when the team gets some success out of the blue, man, there are going to be casual fans. Yeah, there are going to be bandwagon yeah. fans. At least, at least the bandwagon is North Carolina based. Is it, we're, we're not some North Carolina. We're not North Carolina fans. Like, yeah, go Bruins. You know, like most right. summer people, like go Lakers, but that's another story. But anyway, um, yes, Don Terry, we are on the bandwagon, and we are very proud bandwagon fans. So whatever, man. Look, take your old grumpy ass somewhere. We <laughs> don't care, man. Go Canes. I might get myself a jersey. I might steal this jersey and, and, and ride up to Raleigh and watch us win this cup, man. So, yeah, I'm all for it, man. Let's go Canes. Let's go Canes, That's what's up. That's what's up. You know, the Raleigh fans, though, to be – talk about bandwagoners, I mean – they are. They've always been very rabid about the Canes. Yeah. Granted, in in the down seasons, like any team, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the tenders won't the, be right, as high. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, everyone knows that Raleigh is one of the toughest ranks to play in in the NHL. Wow. I mean, it's it's loud. It is no, and loud and one one thing I noticed about watching that game was the environment. I, yeah. I kept looking at it like, man, I would love to be there, man. Like it just looked. It looked like just this sea of blood red and black, and it, it looked kind of like apocalyptic. And I was like, that is so dope, man. Like, I, I, that environment was something I would love to be a part of, man. Like, I, I'm proposing an under-construction field trip to Raleigh. Yeah, so, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. All right. All right. All right. Now, we're going to move on to the Hornets, unfortunately, uh, in our segment <laughs> called the 10th pick. Uh, Yaron Weitzman, uh, the Bleacher Report, wrote an article uh, basically saying, stating that basically we're, we're kind of screwed if Kemba stays or if he goes. Dude. What do you guys think? I, I have my feelings. What do you guys think? All right, what do you got, Jamal? What do you um, got? More Hornets gloom and doom. What, what a shock by national media. 
Listen, uh, Mr. Whatever your name is, man. Um, conventional wisdom tells us that you, the Hornets, would want to resign Kimball Walker. And, and, and here's why, man. The national guys don't, you know, we always wonder whether they really pay attention to the Hornets or not. <clears throat> and the one thing that this article didn't really go in depth with is what happened towards the, towards the end of the season. True. With the young guys. And I, I think that is going to be a probably a, a very valid selling point, but it's also probably going to be a very necessary selling point from, from Mitch Kupchak. Now, in regards to the article, they're screwed if they do, they're screwed if they don't. <clears throat> if I'm Mitch Kupchak and I'm Michael Jordan, I, I'm asking myself, what am I more screwed by doing? Am I more screwed by letting them go or am I more screwed by signing them? Me personally, you're more screwed by letting them go. Now, granted, this might be fanboy, UConn, Hornets person talking. I will be the first to admit that. However, you take a look at what happens if you let Kimmel Walker go and what happens to this already impatient, on-edge fan base. That is not being talked about enough, man. You know what I mean? There are so many of our fans who are like, man, let them go, start over, tank, 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 blah, blah, blah. But how many of those fans are going to pay for tickets to go to games? Right. Yeah. And I've always said to people, you let them go and you're, you're fake happy for them winning, whatever. But are you going to pay for tickets and are we going to end up as the Seattle Hornets? Because that's a very, that's, no. that's something to think about. No, Mike, I doubt they leave. No, I, I look, it's... I, I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying I don't want that to be. A I don't want it to be a possibility. I don't want to hear anybody talk about it on first take. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. And, and the thing is, I as a fan, I, I don't want to go to games with a half-empty arena every single game, man. Yeah. And and more importantly, back to the basketball stuff. Back to those young guys. I find it interesting that the Hornets are doing this little off-season marketing thing, where it's Kimba and the Avengers, and the Avengers being. The young guys, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they know that that has to be the selling point. Yeah. Last point I'm going to make is these articles like this are always going to be gloom and doom because they want clicks and they want people to jump on board the narrative. But I said this in the previous episode, and I'm going to say this again, man. We will know more about the state of Kimball Walker and the state of this team around draft time. Yeah. There are a lot of crazy things that happen around draft time. Mitch Kupchak, I have faith that he will work his magic and work something out that will make it more attractive for Kimba, and we can stop looking at gloom and doom articles from Bleacher Report. I'm not, I'll just... Well, yeah. okay, so I kind of agree with the article. Me too. I agree with the premise of the article, and I think, I think what the fan base is getting caught up too much in is we're looking at the headline, and everyone everyone is looking more so just at, they're, they're taking that as get rid of Kimber Walker. Mm -hmm. And this fan base is so emotionally invested into Kimber Walker, I don't think they, they look at the, the, the numbers mm -hmm. or how, how the moves will affect the team going forward. And I've, I've said this in, in groups that we're in, I've said this on the show, if we lose Kimber Walker, if Kimba doesn't say this 39 win team possibly becomes a 29 win team or maybe <laughs> or maybe a 19 win team I, I it would it would be a worse team yeah. on the bright side if Kimba Walker leaves or doesn't come back doesn't sign 
we have a hell of a lot of money to sign whoever. Technically, we don't. Okay, which which will bring me to the flip side of that argument. If we sign Kemba Walker to that super max contract or whatever the max amount is, whether it's 190 or 221, because Charlotte has to roll out the Brinks truck for him. If we sign him, we now pigeonhole ourselves into really not bringing anybody else in. But how much? Because now nobody wants to hear this, but it, here, here here's a fact, though. Not the season coming up, but next season, you got a whole bunch of money coming off the books. That makes it a lot better than the situation we're in now. But how patient or impatient is Kim Walker, the fan base, the management, whatever? Okay. Do we do we are we looking at this like, man, we just need to wait one more so season? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You're Kim Walker. You've been here what eight, eight, eight seasons? Eight, eight, You've been there eight seasons. You've gone to the playoffs twice. You've been on the infamous seven and fifty nine season. You haven't made the playoffs in three years. You're due for a huge payday. Right. You want to win now. Of course. You will be 30 next year. How do you receive your boss telling you, hey, bro, I need you to deal with this losing for one but, or two more seasons? But, here, but here's another thing. Like, keep in mind, I'm not saying this is some kind of uh, – uh, I'm not saying this is a major selling point. But keep in mind, man, we were one game out of the playoffs last year. And here's another thing. Here's another selling point I would make. We're one game out of the playoffs last year, right? And I want I want y'all to really think about this. From Indiana down, like the, the the top five, and then there's everybody else: Orlando, Detroit, us, Miami, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Is there really a lot of separation between us and those no, teams? Not at all. You know what I mean? And I I, I I hate to sound like a broken record, but again, I just cannot stop thinking about the end of last year Agreed. and those young guys. It's just like, yeah, it looks. The numbers don't look good at all. It's like, man, I'm like approaching luxury tax. But at the same time, man, it's just like one little tweak of this roster could mean yeah. so, us being nice seed all the way up to six or five. Let me, let next me year, ask so. you this. And I know me and Jamal are kind of still in this conversation. And I'm set up. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Considering what happened towards the end of the season last year, do you think if Kemba Walker comes back, do you think Borrego – Starts those young guys at the beginning of the to. season. He has to. He has if to. He li- if he likes being the head coach in the NBA, <laughs> <laughs> you keep, keep a tune coming off that bench. And then I, I would. I, Cody's supposed to come back, but honestly, I would experiment more with Frank as the five, and just to kind of open things up a little more. And then just having Miles and, and so and Frank is coming back to Charlotte in your book. If, if you bring Kimba back, you got to bring back uh, Frank. You, you got to at least put the qualifying. I, I think out. they'll put the offer out there, but they won't match if it's right. too high. If it's, it's too another high. team, right. and, and other teams will be interested in a seven guy who shoots thirty seven percent from three point line. I know Frank has a lot of haters in Charlotte, but he is what he is at this point in his career. I can think of a bunch of teams. You think, you think Dallas wouldn't like a seven foot guy that can you know shoot? 37%. So, I, my thing with the Kimber Walker free agency paradox, there is no paradox. You have to sign Kimber Walker. Yeah. So, there's a stat. Those of, those of you who follow me in the Hornets group know that I, I love the talent. I call it the 4% rule. If you look at all the first round draft picks, and we'll go back to the, the point at which Jordan took over the Hornets slash Bobcats. Right. So, going back almost 10 years now. Yeah. If you look at all of the first round draft picks, only five percent of them have ever made one All Star game. Right. Yeah. 
Only 4% of them. That's a low number. Yeah, that's a low number. (laughs) Only 4% have ever made an all-NBA team, and only 3% have done both of those. Right. Kemba Walker could be a 3%er. Right now, he's a a 5%er. Right. You know, and he's made multiple. Yeah, (laughs) 5 He's made multiple All-Star games. We it it would you cannot replace him. Right. You cannot. It it it, it could be another. And I know we have a lot of faith in, you know, Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, Dwayne Bacon. They're going to be really good NBA players. But you're just not going to get another Kemba Walker. Right. You you just you're just not. And the the crux of the issue is. If we don't resign Kemba, okay, so we might have some extra cap space, but who's gonna come play for us? There's no there's nobody to play with unless unless Bacon or Bridges has you know an all-star season, which I no one foresees. So I think you have to keep Kemba Walker and I don't think that Kemba Walker Kemba Walker's been a leader his entire career as a basketball player going all the way back to high school. Yeah. I don't see him saying, I want to win so bad to where I'm willing to ride LeBron or KD's coattails. Especially since, realistically, he would probably be, although he shouldn't be, but he would be the second choice of someone like, say, Kyrie. Right. Yeah. If a team can't get Kyrie, well, then they're going to go over Kemba. Right. That's not going to sit well with Kemba Walker. And, and what goes goes back, right, yeah. right. What, what goes back to what I said before, like, they're like free agency this summer is not going to center around him. Mm-mm. Yeah. Now, for yeah. our fan base, it is. But in, as far as the league goes, like I, I've, I've I've always believed Kyrie Irving is going to be the key for free agency. Like yeah. everybody's going to wait to see what he does first. And aside from that, like the article even mentions, Kimball Walker has said over and over again, he wants to change it in Charlotte. And I I just don't think that's mentioned enough when people are trying to figure out, well, what's he going to do? Where is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? You know what I mean? I've said it before. Vince Kupchak has some work cut out for him, man. He's got to work some magic. He's got to work some magic. But um, I... As far as us being screwed, man, I just don't believe it is as gloom and doom as people say. The num- Again, the numbers don't, the, the, the financial numbers don't look great. But on the basketball court, I just don't think it's as gloom and doom as people well, think it now is. Well, let man. me ask you guys this, because we're, we're starting to talk about financials. Now. We have a history, or the Hornets have a history, of overpaying players. No, we man. all agree. <laughs> we, all, we all agree. We but Michael Sheet though, he's he's very Michael Sheet. Sheet. He's, he's, he's he's Michael Sheet. Sheet. He only cares about his money. I can't really, yeah. But <laughs> we all agree as Hornets fans that <laughs> that Kemba deserves a max contract. Right. Even if he gets that max contract, with Kemba being Kemba, looking at NBA as opposed to Charlotte. Do you think it will he he will be getting overpaid? Because I've seen this from a few. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. With you. I'm gonna be honest. Toward the back end, honestly, I can see that. Thirty, forty million dollars a year, I can see that. That's fair. Toward the back end, yeah. I, I, I can really see. I can see it be like, look, he's only averaging fifteen a game. He's getting paid forty million a year. But like for those first two, three years, he's old, that man. He's 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 old. I mean, we're under. And I was going to say, like, the Hornets should be the last team paying players legacy contracts. But at the same time, man, it, it's almost just out of principle. You know what I mean? Like, this dude has been nothing but, like, a, just the best ambassador for the Hornets on and off the court, man. It's just you well, you can't have a history of overpaying mediocre players. And then you and don't then pay you your don't pay the best guy. <laughs> guy you've ever had. It, it just, yeah, man. So I, and, and 
that's a good point. I think that may be the reason. I mean, even if we don't offer him max, we can still offer him way more than any other team could yeah, possibly, possibly offer, offer yeah. him. And I think for Kimba, that might be that might be enough. You're still yeah. going to get to leave the Avengers. You're going to get paid close to $200 million. Uh, you know, you're going to get to stay in essentially what's become your new home. Which he states he, he loves, loves over and over again. And, in the house. and you know, I understand that, you know, the, the report came out that not getting the Paul Gasol deal done kind of soured him. I understand his frustration. I think a lot of us were frustrated that we couldn't get something done. Mm-hmm. Although I think in the also, long run. I think in the long run, I think even Kimba knows, okay, it, considering how the season ended with the young guys, okay, maybe we made the best move by And not. Gasol hasn't looked too <laughs> good. Yeah, he, yeah, he hasn't looked too great. So right, right. That, that we we can we can talk about that once Toronto gets bounced, right. but he hasn't looked that great. All right, so moving on to not looking too great. There was, there was, an, uh, there was an article uh, by Hornets publication, not directly affiliated, but just a Hornet fan site, uh, stating that Shea Gilders Alexander was a better pick than Mr. Miles Bridges. Oh, boy. Um, I have my thoughts on the field. Do you guys have an opinion on that? Uh, what do you guys think? Was okay. the article necessary? I know Vince was, 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 was the correct to, okay, to, to, add some more, to add some more context for those that who, who, who may not be in the wind of this, essentially what happened was Alexander had two doggone good games yeah. and with, with the Clippers. I'm not going to take anything away from the, from the kid. He had two good games. And then this publication, which I'm going to do my best not to mention. No, we're not. Posted an article saying that he would have been the better choice over Bridges. Now, here's the deal. Here at Under Construction, one of our motivations for, for starting this podcast. You stole my thumb. <laughs> one, one of our reasons for starting this podcast is because we don't feel like the Charlotte-based media uh, justifies what, what we feel like they should be doing in regards to the Hornets, in regards to the Panthers, mm-hmm. and what's going on in Charlotte and all that good stuff. So we wanted to bring that, that extra perspective that others can relate mm-hmm. to. With that being said, I absolutely love the fact that there are that there are average Joes working nine to fives that are taking time out of their day to to, to do this stuff when, when they're not even getting paid for yeah. it. At least initially, I will I will never not I will always support anybody who wants to do that. But to post some heat of the moment BS like that, which is completely disrespectful. Now, if Miles Bridges sat on the bench all year and whatever promise he showed in the beginning faltered and and and, and he kind of looked monkish, so to speak, you can almost just... That's an interesting, uh, interesting I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. Did y'all, y'all, y'all pick yeah, up? Yeah, I picked up. Okay. All right. But I can kind of, I can kind of see that. But... From the all-star break on, he improved, and he improved, and he improved, and he improved. So because you watch Alexander on a team who was supposed to be tanking this year and wasn't expected to push Houston seven games, have it go to uh, Say again? Go to State. Go to State. My, no, was it going to State? Yeah, they play yeah State. gotcha. Okay. To watch them push them guys to the brink like that, and then you post that article in the heat of the moment, I honestly don't. I honestly don't have a word to describe how I felt. <laughs> Jamal, at least on camera, I can't do Jamal, it. Jamal, do you have the words on camera? Um, <laughs> trash, clickbait, <laughs> unnecessary, 
garbage, irresponsible, whack, irresponsible. Are, are, are those enough words? Lazy, lazy. Uh, Vince stole a lot of my thunder, and I, let, let me let me just like I, we just had a discussion off camera, and I basically said that basketball discussions they tend to garner a lot of overreaction. This is why, because you got garbage like this being posted, and fans click on this stuff, and they run with this overreactionary stuff, man. I'm going to keep this really, really simple. I'm not even going to go into a lot of detail, and it's not going to be a lot of nuance. Why are we comparing kids after their rookie year? What, when did we start doing that? Different players hit their strides at different times. Different players hit their prime at different strides. Different players come out at different times. Yeah. Miles Bridges came out as a sophomore. Alexander came out as a freshman. That might matter down the road. Alexander, his role was a lot more. He basically played a lot more with the Clippers than Bridges did early on with the Hornets. Yeah, yeah. All this stuff matters. So for uh, for someone who wants to be a reputable publication to come out with this overreactionary garbage is just sad. Can we at least wait? Three years before we start comparing it's, careers. Yeah. Can, can we? And Alexander started 73 games. Right, yeah. um, in comparison to Miles, only started like 20, 21 games. He had a, he had a way bigger role than Bridges did. And, and when you compare their per 36 or their per 100 possessions, they're essentially the I same player. Yeah. They're the same player. It comes down to, I, I said this off camera earlier that, this was the Justice Winslow, Frank Kaminsky drama. Right, right. Everyone, the draft is such a crapshoot, and one thing fans always want to prove is that they know more than the front office. We should have drafted such and such. And if you guys remember on draft night, a lot of people were upset that we traded away, mm. you know, SGA and you know for Miles Bridges essentially, especially since the Hornets kind of have a history of trading away, you know, yeah, really good players on draft night. So, so. You know, I don't know if this publication felt that way on draft night, but if you try and finagle the numbers, you could make it seem like, well, hey, I was right on draft night. This is the pick. But after the first year, and I don't even have a problem with them highlighting the fact that Alexander may have been a good or the right draft pick, but to come out and say he was the the pick, the pick, the, pick. the better pick. And, and then another issue of mine is. Miles Bridges saw the article. Yeah, said yeah. And so, like, and my thing is, for future for for media members and future media, does this limit their access? Because he feels slighted. Like, hey, no. you guys don't respect me. I don't. I don't Are think that. I don't think that will limit someone's access to to the team. Um, I mean, it was it was a hot take. It was a hot take. Now, but does he see it as a hot take? He's well, still man, a kid. He's, I think he's, he's a kid. And these players have really big egos. He's a like, kid. Well, well on, on, in their defense, it was strictly basketball, mm-hmm. and it, it was strictly opinion. Now, not, if, not the personal take. Like, 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 the, the, the thing that got me was when I read it, it was just like, "Hey, Sugar, Shay is really good. Oh, so is Mal Bridges. Shay's really good. So is Miles Bridges." <laughs> and so it's just like, okay, basically, you, you were telling me, okay, my personal preference was Shay. But Miles is not a bad pick. But I'm gonna write this article because we need clicks, and, and, and I want everybody to look at my article. The timing was just bad on it. Yeah, it, it, it was just bad, especially considering how well Miles Bridges played down the stretch, how he kind of grew into that starting role. Anyone that watched the Hornets game 
knew how much of an impact he made. Right. He was our best rim protector. And no one was talking about Alexander doing a regular season. No, like, they're, he, they're only talking about him now because there's less than 16 teams that are playing. But, again, people... NBA fans like yeah. love to overreact because Steph Curry he's falling off. He, he's not good anymore. <laughs> Remember, you, you yeah. had yeah. inside joke. Yeah. Inside joke. Real quick, Mister Dunk. Inside joke. Real quick, before we move on, this goes back to your question. I don't know if you guys ever saw the video clip, but there's some guy in LA that wrote an article about Boogie Cousins about his brother. I think something happened in the club yeah. and all that stuff. And in the locker room after the game. Boogie was cussing the reporter out. He said, look, I don't care what you write about me. You can say about me whatever the hell you want, but under no circumstance do you ever talk about my family. Do not do that again. Something like that will have you lose your press pass. But to keep it strictly basketball, nah, Miles has got to be upset about it. But any motivation... Young guys is good. Hey, you think Miles not gonna be thinking about that? He probably yeah. got that joint right. close to Miles. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I need you dunking everybody. Yeah, look, you see SJ. We play the Clippers. Yeah, that's gonna be. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey, that that article be getting retweeted. Yep. All right, we're gonna jump into the uh, our back to back winning season segment. Uh, so, by the way, I'm sorry. I love that. Panther segment. Yeah. <laughs> Some people still don't get it. So Mike Florio uh, oh boy. Uh, was on WFNZ and uh, he basically stated that uh, Will Green could be a leverage play against Cam uh, and says the Panthers have a hard uh, choice in the next coming years. Uh, rather than pay Cam $40 million, is he worth it at that point? What, what, what do you guys feel about this? I, I have my thoughts and opinions. What do you guys feel? I'm going to ask a question. Sure. And then I'm going to give the floor to Jamal. <laughs> At what point have we ever talked about a third rounder like this? And we haven't even gotten the training camp. No, Jamal. <laughs> so, there was someone, so there was someone on this panel a couple weeks ago that said, if we draft Wilbur in the third round, it was going to be a bigger distraction than if we would have got Colin Kaepernick locally. I clean it up when I say locally. <laughs> Damn it, here we are. <laughs> here we are already, and we are how many months away from the season? Oh, man. The draft was two weeks ago. And here we are. Thank you, Mike Florio. Look, I, I don't even know if I can even listen to Charlotte Sports Radio for the next eight months, man. I, I'm serious. I, here we are. Look, man, to keep it football, to keep it on the field, man, how bad is Cam's shoulder? Because, look, man, if it's strictly about the injury, if you're really worried about uh, um, him, if you're worried about him physically for the next two, three years, I'll say it, this stuff is valid. Yeah. However, if Cam go, comes into training camp and now uh, and that shoulder is 100%, it is flat out disrespect. It is flat out unadulterated disrespect for a, for a quarterback who won MVP three seasons ago, four, whatever, three, four seasons ago. Look, man, Mike Florio. He's a fire starter. He works very closely with WFNZ a lot. He's on he's on air a whole lot. And he says things to get people going. I tried my best. I said, I'm not going to get mad at Mike Florida today because God knows I get mad at this dude every week he comes on the show, man. I'm going to try to be objective, man. Look, you drafted Will Greer. Again, I've said it before. I think it's a little bit of meddling on Dave, David Tepper's part. I don't know if, if the Panthers are overreacting or, or are they really being cautious. It all goes back to that doggone shoulder, man. How healthy is Cam? And let me, let me say this one last thing. I'm going to say this one last thing. Um, 
Cam was asked about, you know, how is he going to be the day one yeah. starter? He said, well, it's a process. I didn't like that answer. I'm yeah. like, dude, like, no, I want you to say, what do you mean? I'm the starter right. come game one. But he said, we'll see it's a process. So I hate to say it, man, but even Mike Florio has some validity when, you're, yeah. when your quarterback is talking like well, that. So. And, and, and here's why I don't give it much validity. Because if Camden and Shoulder is still of any concern, to, no matter what degree, I have always said that we need to give him the Andrew Luck treatment, mm-hmm. and we need to sit him for. The, I, I said that before the season was even over. With. Yeah, so, so bench him for a year, run with your backup, or pick up a quarterback in free agency. Now, here's another deal: when Cam Newton is 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 healthy, mm-hmm. he's he's top five, top ten quarterback in the NFL, depending on your perspective of a quarterback. You know, because because Cam likes to run a lot. Right. So he has not shown me anything that will tell me as a general manager or an owner that I need to be getting rid of this guy in the next one, two, or three seasons. Right. With that being said, like I've said for the last month or so, you don't spend a third round draft pick on a quarterback. Now with Will Grip, as good as he is, when he comes in, as good as people think he is, go ahead. as good as people think he is, as good as he may be, when he comes in. In backup, in relief, as an offensive coordinator, you have to change up your play calling. Yes, you yeah, essentially, yeah. you essentially have to have two playbooks: one for Cam, one 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 for Will Grip. Do you know who you would not need another playbook for? Kaepernick. Tyrod Taylor. You would not need another playbook for 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 Colin Kaepernick. And, and so they could have easily. Brought in now, and I and I've always, I've always said I didn't want Carolina to bring in Colin Kaepernick. We'd have to talk about that another day. But they have similar skill sets, just like Cam Newton. So again, I I don't know what's going on in management. The problem is with with moving on from Cam is that that's not you're not just talking about changing the quarterback to expand upon what you said. You are changing. The culture of the franchise, if right. you move on from Cam Newton, everything on the field, everything the Panthers do is predicated around his ability mm-hmm. a- as a football player, not just as a passer or runner. Uh, the, the defenses are staying up all night trying to account for Cam Newton. Right? There's definitely going to be no QB spot for Will Yeah, Newton, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, so you have to change that. It changes the, the way we run the ball. All them – you know, Chris McCaffrey had a beastly season last year. Yeah, because right? he had to I, pay so much attention. Because he had to pay so much attention to Cam Newton. That's that's gone. Uh, you know, just uh, you, you change everything. Uh, I mean, that Cam Newton is the the face of the franchise. He is the franchise. I mean, he is. So if you move on from Cam, then it's essentially you might as well be saying, okay, we're going to rebuild. And honestly, I feel like the Panthers' core is too solid right now right, to, to go that. to rebuild. I like the. What they did on defense, I love the Burns draft pick. Yeah. Uh, I like that they re-signed Eric Reed, yeah. and we've said this before off camera. I feel like if you have Luke Keekley, mm-hmm. a former Defensive Player of the Year, perennially one of the best defenders in the league, and Cam Newton, an MVP, on the same team, right. and you don't win a Super Bowl, you've wasted both of their careers. Yeah, you've I wasted a decade yeah. of having two of the best players, the two future Hall of Famers. So I, I feel like you got to go with Cam to the wheels fall off. Right. You got to, right. you know, sitting him for a year, that might be the best thing. But as far as, I don't know, we move on. Especially if you're going to move on, you're not going to move on to Will Greer. Let's be right. honest. I mean, yeah. and, and that goes, 
to me, this whole Will Greer thing was like kind of perplexing. I heard uh, Marty Herney on, uh, I think it was on uh, WFNZ, saying that he was the no-brainer pick at 100. I'm like, if, if I, I understand the need for the backup quarterback position. The, the veteran would have been the better need. But if, if, if you really felt as though Cam in the future wasn't ready, why not just wait two years, next year to two? Exactly, because he says two years, yeah. yeah and, and, and why not wait for Trevor Lawrence? Like, in two years, Trevor Lawrence will be draftable, the best prospect, and then Cam is a free agent. You don't have to worry about cutting him or anything like that. I mean, it, it's just some things and, don't make sense to me. if we bench Cam Newton for an entire – if we bench Cam Newton all year next year, and let's say we, we keep the backups, we play with the backups, they look good in spots, but – we're we're not we're not winning six seven eight games. Uh, Who is the number one quarterback going into next year? Tua Tua Tagovailoa. I look. I, I I have a question that nobody has asked, man. I look. It, it's one game. It's the game was pretty meaningless. However, New Orleans Saints starters were in the game and they were playing to win. What about Kyle Allen? Yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah. Nobody has. Because listen, man. I, I mentally checked out for about... We all did. We all, yeah, we, all, we, we were all checked did. out. And I was just like, whatever. I checked out the first quarter of the Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I watched this kid, and I'm looking at this kid playing against the New Orleans Saints starters, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm watching this kid make some, some very accurate downfield throws. And all of a sudden, nobody wants to talk about the kid anymore. And I just wonder why. Like, I... And, and I, look, man, I do, another part of me was like, I don't want to get the Matt Moore syndrome. Like, you saw Matt Moore have a couple of games. Like, oh, my God. Like, how come he doesn't – how come nobody's mentioned him? But from what I saw out of Kyle, Kyle Allen for, for three and a half quarters, man, I'm just like, you, you sure you don't want to give this kid a <laughs> shot other than spend your third-round pick on somebody who's unproven, but this is what's The kid out of NC State, the quarterback out of NC I think would have been a better pickup than Griff. I agree. I, I totally agree. agree. For, for what I saw, he I was agree. still available I mean, in the later round. I, mean, I agree. A lot of the quarterbacks can't be Clemson. Plus, I think one of the things that got underrated this season was North Turner's offense. Yeah. Yeah. It started off great, yeah. and we were all praising it. And then after right. the Pittsburgh game, it was kind of went down downhill. Although, I feel like the defense was... Yeah, the biggest yeah, culprit, yeah. but that's another discussion. And a lot but of that, a lot of that rest on cams shoulder, shoulder yeah. exactly. So, but I feel like you know you got a, a offense uh, like the one that North Turner runs, and I think you could plug a guy like Kyle Allen. In there. Yeah, he knows the offense very well. Yeah. I, I think he's got the leg up on Will Greer coming into the season. Right. I would prefer to see him at least get the shot. Yeah. If they say, okay, we're going to arrest Cam Newton, right. or Cam's just not ready to go. Right. Well, hey, he came out, he played a hell of a game against the Saints. You know, we won that game. You know, give the guy a shot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I hope it's not a thing where, well, you know, hey, we, we went all in on Will Greer in the third round, so. Right. Yeah, so let's, you know, it's right. so trash. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Cam's kickball tournament is this Friday. Yeah. Uh, thoughts and opinion. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be kicking. Kicking it with Cam, Davin. I heard it's really, really competitive. Like I saw the video, Cam was like he was ready to it play. It is. Yeah, um, we, we have a very competitive kickball player. Pull up, Cam. Pull up, Cam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I play. I played in the kickball tournament uh, last year. 
I'll be playing again this year with a, uh, a group of veterans. Uh, shout outs to Veterans Bridge Home. And, you know, by being a veteran affiliated with those guys, we don't have to pay. So for people who don't know, in order to get in that tournament, it's a $5,000 entry fee. Jeez. Guess who ain't got $5,000, you know? But a lot, of, a lot of those teams actually do get sponsored. Okay. And um, one thing I'll say, I did it. I, w- I was a part of it last year. I didn't know what to expect. But it was a good event. There's going to be a ton of football players out there. There'll be some basketball players, some local uh, media personalities. There'll be other media personalities from around the country. And uh, it, it, it'll it be dope. And for, uh, for for you guys speaking on the competitive part, uh, T.O. played last year. Wow. And <laughs> T.O. was out there playing as if it was a Super Bowl. Like, Amen. T- Amen T- at it. T.O. has one gear. And, and – on three separate occasions, T.O. was in the outfield, and somebody kicked the ball and then went foul, like, into the crowd, into the stands. Yeah, T.O. went and got the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, like, and there's, there's, a, there's a wall, because we, we were at Memorial Stadium. So there's a, there's a wall right there eventually, and T.O., 80 miles an hour, gone. And he caught it, and like everybody's like, "Oh my God, he's gonna run into the wall!" Like it's a concrete wall; there's no padding. And like, I mean, he caught it, he, he avoided and whatnot. And um, yeah, so the competition, the competition is hot. And I don't know if you guys remember Jamal Anderson; he used to play running back for yeah, the Falcons. Right. But when we played, when we played last year, we played this one game, and uh, this this one team they, they they beat us pretty good. And I got to talk and smack uh-huh. with the other team. And the whole time, this like this little short, stocky dude is just like grilling me, and we're, we're going back and forth. And I'm like, that dude looks familiar, <laughs> <laughs> like, but I couldn't think who he was. So like, I'm I'm, I'm constantly jaw jacking back and forth. And then after the game, I got my bags, I'm leaving, and then I was like, oh snap, that was Jamal Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remembered it was him. So I went and I caught up with him. I was like, hey man, it was just all kickball, da 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 da. And, like, he turned out to be a, a real cool dude. We, we talked for about 20, 30 minutes or whatnot. And, um, but, yeah, it's, it's a dope event. All the, all the celebrities, they don't, they don't have their egos. They just want to get out there and play. Okay. Um, I hope we don't play with Cam Newton because Cam Newton is out there just to have fun. And I haven't seen a Cam Newton-led team win a game yet. So, uh, I'm just like, and, and, and it's hey man, like, hey, yeah. I'm going to kick the ball at Cam. He bounces around from team to team. He'll, he'll go play with play for a few minutes and he'll go to another team. And we watched this one team last year. They were winning the game like 4-2. to two. And then Cam Newton comes over there and he kicks the pitcher off the mound and he starts pitching. And next thing they, next thing you know, they lost like seven to four. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, but but all in all, it's just nah, it's, it, it's, it's a it's a dope event. Uh, if you can get off on Friday, it starts at eleven. It's at Bank of America. It costs five dollars to get in. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a dope event. And shout out to uh, Tampa and the Bank of America people for actually putting in the Bank of America this year, yeah, right. opposed to being in Memorial all, the, all right. these previous years. Right. Now, speaking of Tampa and Bank of America, a topic that we've talked about in the past, <laughs> they had that beer fest yesterday. Oh, now, yeah. are you guys aware of what happened? Uh, oh, I heard it was a, a utter disaster uh, and it was raining. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you guys watched the fire 
festival documentary? No. No, no. Was it? <laughs> I watched it. I watched it. It was, it was I, bad. I've seen comments on social media that yeah. it was fire festival bad. Wow. Oh, no. like, yeah. Yeah. Like completely unorganized. Well, what was the, oh, I was going to say what was the crux, but if it was just organizations? Yeah, yeah. organization <laughs> wow. and uh, tempers flared and uh, it's, yeah, I yeah, haven't said yeah. anything good about. And like, I wanted to go. Right. You know, like I I don't drink beer. I'm not a beer drinker, but you know, I wanted to go just for the experience. But I was on Twitter. <laughs> like, Man, and look, I got look, a new friends that went. Look it up. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it wasn't good. I, I saw the reference this morning, and I just was like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe wow. that's a good segue to the culture segment because yeah. the beer culture in Charlotte is an interesting. Oh boy. It's a brewery on every corner now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you look at who owns some of those places, just do your research, people. They're not people that you would generally associate with, uh, you know, other otherwise than uh, frequenting their establishments. So uh, that doesn't really surprise me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened, you know, with the way the beer culture. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was bad. It was it was terrible. Like the, the comments I've seen, it was like I'd rather be somewhere. Else. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. All right, so uh, we're going to segue into our culture segment. Uh, on a more serious note, uh, on April the thirtieth, twenty-two-year-old uh, uh, Tristan Terrell, uh, last time we're going to say his name, uh, went to UNCC and opened fire uh, upon the classroom and. Uh, uh, shot six people, uh, two fatally. Uh, Mr. Riley Howell, the hero, uh, tried to uh, jump on him uh, to kind of stop the shooting. And uh, also Ellis Parlier was killed as well. Um, and I want to name the other victims as well. Uh, Drew Pascario, uh, Rami Aramanan, Emily Hopet, and Sean Paderot. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, uh, we hope you guys fully recover. Uh, just praying for you and your family. Uh, guys, let's, let's discuss the situation. Um, <clears throat> you know, when you when you look at other mass shootings that, that have happened like across America, I mean, there's too many of them to reference. I mean, it, it's always one thing to see it on the news and be like, man, that's really unfortunate. And, you know, you... you pray for those victims and you, you know, you wish them the best. And it's always different when it happens close to home. Yeah. It's always going to be different when it happens on your soil, you know, within close proximity of, of where you live. And every time it happens, it, it, it triggers, you know, it, it triggers gun control discussions. But what I personally want to do today but the the goal of, of me uh, of my discussion today is to talk about the mental health aspect of of all these things and pe we can go people can go back and forth over gun control gun laws all this other stuff me personally i'll keep it real simple people have a right to bear arms i don't think everybody needs semi-automatic weapons we'll keep it that we'll just keep it short like that but getting back to the point that I want to make about this shooting and other shootings, I don't think it is discussed enough <clears throat> how people don't readily have access to um, mental health assistance, for lack of a better term. And 
I, I don't have the answers as to how to make that happen, but I just feel like there needs to be way more resources early on, starting off in the elementary school, all the way up to the college level. Because just from a human perspective, I, I want to take, I want to be clear that for now, <laughs> I want to take race out of the equation. I want to take all these mitigating factors out of the equation just for a second. My personal belief is nobody wakes up and says, man, I really want to go shoot everybody today without, some, without something being terribly wrong <laughs> mentally with them. Anybody. I don't care who you are. And I just don't think it gets discussed enough. Like, what was going on in this dude's life and everybody else's where this goes untreated that long? Because anybody who is crazy enough to take to try to take six people six people's lives and take two of them. And let me be very also be very clear about something. I, I know there's gonna be some people who's like, man, don't give this dude the the you know the the defense of uh, insanity or or you know not being mentally capable. But my personal belief is everybody who has the the the, the gall to do something like this, there has been something untreated for a very long time. And it's just a personal belief. Like anybody who studied criminology, anybody who has a human services background, social work background, like I have a long time ago. You, there is always a cause for this type of behavior. But America doesn't ever want to talk about adding resources to have people who, who have help readily available to them. I'll end it on this note. Um, I'll just say I, I'm hoping for the best for UNCC. I'm wishing for a fast recovery. Um I would urge everybody to just live their lives and and and, and do not live in fear. Um, and my thoughts and prayers go out to the family. I'll keep it at that. Um, so my my thoughts are pretty scattered all over yeah. the place, and I think that I had something that I wanted to speak on until Jamal spoke, and with some of the things he introduced in the conversation, I'm kind of all over the place mm -hmm. as far as how to how to address this properly. But when I first, now, for one, I could probably leave my house and walk and be at the campus in five minutes. That's how close I live to UNC Charlotte. And when I heard that it happened, I, like, I was just emotional. There was, there was, there was just a, a, a plethora of emotions coursing through my body. But after everything happened, after, after, the kid was arrested and taken after the murderer was arrested and taken into um, custody. There's just one thing that could not escape my mind. And it's the fact that when those cops got a call, they knew a shooting had happened. Mm -hmm. They knew students had been hit. They knew somebody was possibly dead, if not more than a few people. How does this kid, this murderer, gets taken alive mm -hmm. yep. when literally just a few weeks ago we had another murder where the kid was not posing a threat well the victim was not posing a threat he he was not brandishing a weapon he was told to put the weapon down and as he complied with orders he lost his life 
And I'm just so sick and tired of watching these mass shooters who just happen to be white constantly, constantly, constantly find themselves being taken alive. Taken a Burger King. Taken a Burger King. All you know, being treated like a human. But so many people of color don't get that same respect. Yeah. And that that's been my biggest frustration. And um to the kid, to the two that died, obviously their lives are taken too soon. I, I sympathize for the families. No nobody should ever have to deal with that. Yeah. I don't I don't even think I have the words to to, to to say to put it put how I, how I truly feel, I don't know if I want to get into the gun conversation. I, I acknowledge I acknowledge that this country has a gun problem, and until the people in power address it, we're, we're, this is it's just going to keep happening. It's just going to keep happening. And I I'm not going to hijack the conversation, but I I, I just want to say, man, less talk and more action. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's it's like it's this is this a cycle. Shooting happens. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Yep. We're sad. Yep. Family forgives. Repeat. Yep. It's, it's it's when is the action? Coming? And you know, and and I think this will probably actually get into the gun conversation. But I made a post on my Facebook a few weeks ago. I don't know if you guys saw it, but. There was a there was a woman who was tragically killed um, in an Uber accident. She got into a car who she in, in Columbia. She got into a car who she thought was an Uber driver, and you know, sadly, she ended up being killed. Less than a month goes by, and the state of South Carolina passes new legislation that all Uber and Lyft drivers now have to have identified decals on their cars. Mm-hmm. Um, this country is dealing with a measles outbreak right now. So there are some school districts that are now passing laws that if your kids are unvaccinated, they can't come to school. Mm-hmm. So like we're, we're having immediate change in response to things that are happening. But for whatever reason, this country refuses to, to make new laws when, when, when there's gun-related incidents. Man, and, and I have my theories on why. Yeah. I we'll it's, save it for another day. It's such a, this, this whole thing is such a nuanced discussion. Yeah from, you know, the gun control aspect, gun culture in the United States, uh, you know, the mental health issues in the United States. So uh, I'll take it in a different direction. I want to talk about Riley Howell, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, um, and not just him, but we've started to see an uptick of people in these situations say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to, just going to, you know, lie down. Right. I'm going to go down fighting and I'm going to end in. He, he's part of the reason why more people were not killed yeah, or, yeah. or injured. Right. Uh, I think in the past when we saw mass shootings and uh, for people that described the, the last mosque shooting, they were so in shock. You know, really they were just waiting around hoping to not get killed. Right. I don't think, you know, mass shootings are so commonplace now to where when one starts to happen, people start to take action. So, um, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of people were, were upset over UNCC making the statement about fight, run, hide. Yeah. And, you know, no, yeah, I I agree with that statement. Me too. You know, you fight, if, if you got no other choice, you fight, you run, you hide. I, I I just think that it's, it's upsetting that they even have to make that statement, uh, you know, nowadays, um, 
I think part of the reason why there's no action that's being done is because everyone, we all look for the answer. Right. There is no the answer. Right. There's a series of of answers, right. uh, tough discussions that we have to have about gun culture in the United States mm-hmm. and the Second Amendment and mental health. We have to talk about all of those things yeah. and then try and, and come up with a, you know, uh, you know, a slew of solutions rather than just say, well, hey, there's no one answer. So, you know, thoughts and prayers. Right. And, and then another crazy thing to me is like, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. So like, you guys probably were in high school, just getting out of high school, the Columbine stuff happened and stuff like that. I was in elementary, middle school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my generation kind of, we became, like, the lockdown generation. And so we had active yeah. shooter drills and right. stuff like that. Right. That shouldn't be commonplace in schools. Never, ever should be commonplace. Like, they're, they're proposing laws right now to give teachers weapons in school. Like Florida has passed them. For well, yeah. what I'm saying, it, it, that, that does that's not going to solve the issue to me. Yeah. Like, hey, but, more guns and, for you. But look, man, I hate to say it, but when you have a country that has been founded on violence, that has had that has heavily funded violence, the only way they see fit to fight violence is, is violence. more violence, and thus, there's a cycle all over again, man. It's, it's sad to think about. And then one other thing that 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 kind of pissed me off about this whole situation. Uh, a young man who's a rapper was supposed to have a, con- a concert there that night, and they kept throwing his name in there. Waka Flocka Flame was supposed to have a concert tonight. I understand when he came here a few years ago, he had an incident with a shooting, but that was totally irresponsible to me to to even mention his name. It, it's so lazy and stupid and easy. No, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't irresponsible. It wasn't lazy. It wasn't stupid. It was intentional. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, that, and, that, I, and I say that because there's only one news source here in Charlotte that's been promoting that narrative. Right. And if you guys follow that page, <clears throat> I follow that page for about a week. If you follow that page, whenever something happens in Charlotte, pay attention to the narratives being used. Mm-hmm. And and, and 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 hopefully the people listening and watching can understand the, the message I'm trying to convey. But UNC Charlotte, for those of you that don't live in Mecklenburg County, is in the university area of yep. the county on the north side of Charlotte. There's a big bad boogeyman over here on, on the north side. So anytime that there's any type of violence, it gets related to the African-American experience. Right. Now, as we clearly saw, there were no African-Americans involved in this shooting right, right here, but because Walker Fogger was on his way here for a concert, they, that's what on they his do. way here. He was on his way here. He was on his way here. He wouldn't even hear. He wouldn't even land. And here's what's actually worse about that. I didn't even know Walker Fogger was supposed to be. I saw I saw that, and I was like, it's a somber reminder that we live in North Carolina. Yeah. And yeah. some things never change about living in the South. Yeah. You know, that's one of them. What's, what's a way we can, you know, tie this into, uh, you know, the negative, the negatives of, of the African-American uh, demographic here in Charlotte. Oh, there you go. Yep. Disclaimer, anything south of Virginia is the south. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know. Okay. Charlotte's east coast, but like 
Everything else in North Carolina is the South. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, it, it is. We're confused when it comes to the South. I don't know. Some of the South, man. Well, Charlotte, Charlotte, country Charlotte. people, man. I'm telling you. Charlotte, I'm, I mean, but no. people who live in Florida will say that North Carolina is in the South. It, it's uh, really all about where you are. Yeah. And then you take someone like Jamal, who's drawn more to East Coast music. He may not <laughs> like the fact. Uh, that I mean, okay. if you ever been to, to Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi, Louisiana, or Alabama, or even Georgia, that's, <laughs> those places feel so different than Charlotte. Than even Gastonia. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I mean, no, I was I, I was stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi, for four months on a TDY, and it was like a culture shock. It was like, <laughs> I mean, where am I at? I mean, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like you think about it, it's like two or three sounds. Like that's, Texas, no, that's true. Yeah, Texas, Texas, Texas is, is the yeah, land yeah. of its own. Yeah. Florida is a land of its own. Like the whole Florida is definitely land of its own. Trust me. Carolinas and Virginia is different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we have some characteristics. We, we, we put peanuts in our Coca Cola and all that other stuff. We do, boy. Yeah, people do. Yeah, boy, that, that's not like a Charleston thing. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the other Carolina. No, no, no. That's the low country stuff. That ain't. That ain't. I'm so telling you, look, look. As Black Panther says, we don't do that. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You go this way, this way, or this way. North, south, east, or west. They put peanuts in their Coca Cola. I'm telling you. All right, we'll have to we'll, we'll have to dig a little bit more. Moving on, but moving on. But moving on, it's just it's kind of related to uh, the UNCC issue. Uh, Charlotte has had a spike in its uh, murder rate. Uh, at this point last year, we had 15, 16 murders. Uh, this year, as of Friday, uh, I don't think any more has happened. We have, oh no! No, there was just one last night. Forty-eight. Now. Forty-nine. 49. 49. We're at 49 murders in Charlotte. Uh, I posed a question on my Facebook and I'm posing a question to you guys. Uh, what is your thoughts and opinions on why this is happening? This is... Oh, go, ahead. I, go ahead. I was going to say this is the price we have to pay for being a growing American city. It's really that simple. Uh, Charlotte is now a city of transplants. Uh, you know, it's funny when you meet someone that's actually from Charlotte. It's like, oh, snap, you from Charlotte. Uh, the, the, company, the, the company I work for now, I am literally the only person out of about 300 people in that building that is from Charlotte. Wow. So, wow. so you have, so it's a city of transplants, and unfortunately, you get uh, the negativity from other cities, especially these large northern metropolitan areas. Uh, you know, Baltimore, the Tri-State area. You know, the, the, it, it all comes down here, and that's just. Price that we are currently paying. I don't. I, I don't think it's a a culture thing. I, I don't think that it's going to like drastically drop. I think as Charlotte gets bigger, we're going to get more big city problems. We yeah. already see how the how the traffic is uh, now. You know, the our transit systems can't keep up. Uh, we already see what's happening with housing and gentrification. How expensive it is to live in Charlotte, and now it's just starting to permeate to other you know uh, aspects of. Social culture here in Charlotte. Yeah. One of those being, you know, violence, right. uh, especially as gentrification, be, you know, starts to uptick in Charlotte. You start to have these uh, these sections of the city. Um, putting moving to other. Yeah, they got to they got to go somewhere. Yeah, somewhere, right? And um, you know, and unfortunately, the negative elements move with them, and uh, that's I I just think that's that's just the price that we're paying yeah. in Charlotte. So. Yeah. I um. 
I honestly don't have an answer. I, I, um, I get the whole Transplant City uh, narrative, but we're not the fastest growing city in the country right now, but I'm not seeing this getting played from the other big cities that are growing as well. I, I don't know if it's just a natural evolution of us moving as a, together as a society. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer. I just know that it's pretty, pretty doggone bad. And it's, it's, it's very um, interesting that this is happening now because uh, McFadden, who is, uh, help me out, what's his title? What's his uh, title? Sheriff. Sheriff? Chief. Please no sheriff. No, he's sheriff. 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 I'm sorry. This is his this is his second stint as a sheriff. When he was here the first time, mm -hmm. um, crime dropped. Mur the murder rate dropped literally every year when he was when he was here as sheriff. And a lot of people attributed that to because he would actually get out into the community every time that there was a murder, whether it was three in the afternoon or, or, or three in the morning. He would go to the murder scene. And for whatever reason, whatever it is that he did, the murder rate dropped each and every year. So to see it spiking now in his first year back in office, I just think it's very, very interesting that that's, that's happening. But I don't, I don't have an answer. I, I have no idea. I, I don't have a real answer either. My, the, the, mine is all just speculation. Let me be very clear about that. And <clears throat> there are two things I thought about when, when, when this was first presented to us, man. And... One of the things I thought I thought about was Charlotte's struggle with upward mobility, mm -hmm. and people are struggling. You look at Charlotte, people out people from outside look at Charlotte, booming city. You know, uh, we 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 have we have the banks here. There are people who are very successful and who make a lot of money here. However, we all know sitting here, there's a huge gap between the haves and the have-nots yeah. in Charlotte. <clears throat> And I truly believe that the have-nots are stressed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any other articulate way to put it. When you put the stress of I can't pay my rent, I can't find a job, this is slow. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to eat. I don't know what's going to happen the next day to me. I truly believe this is taking a strain on a big population in Charlotte, and, and this is what the result of it is. Again, this is all speculation. I don't know what makes people wake up out of bed and say, I, I, I need to go kill somebody today. But I going back to, to the UNCC discussion, I have this personal belief there is always a mental health aspect to people who resort to violence to solve whatever problems or if they can't control their emotions. And I just think Charlotte's lack of upward mobility is a big yes. problem when it comes to what we're seeing And it now. creates all this proximity on proximity murders right. that, that happen. Because we, people who have common sense know that people who kill each other tend to kill people who they live around. Yeah. <laughs> so don't get me started no, on this. I, yeah. You know where I'm going with <laughs> this. So this black-on-black -black crime BS is just that because, again... Well, you live around, <laughs> so you tend to affect. It's, and it's important to note that sometimes numbers lie, right? Okay, yeah. and and they can use that to push the narrative because they can say, "Well, hey, we're gentrifying these areas because, I mean, 
Right. Look at the violence. Whereas, it, for instance, if you said, if someone said, you know what, there's a 25% increase in the, in the number of murders in Charlotte. Like, you, whoa, 25%, that's a lot. Right. But if you have 50 murders one year, or 40 the previous, that's a 25% increase. Right. That's 10 more murders. That's such a finicky thing. There's so many yeah. factors in that. But, yeah. but they'll they'll latch on to the big number, that 25%. And use that as as an error. Look at the violence yeah. in Charlotte. So we have to be careful because you're going to get people like McFadden, Chief Putney, who are going to throw these numbers. numbers out and say, "Hey, we need." And you know, the police are already over militarized as it is. Right. We we know what the police presence is is like in Charlotte now. Yeah. The last thing we need is for for them to have a reason to to, to, to increase that. Right. Um, and, and and I'm I'm gonna do some historical things like. The most violent era in Charlotte was between 88 and 95. Uh, oh, spiking yes, in 93 with 129 murders. I have store, I mean, think about it. In 93, we were half the population with 129 murders. Think about that. And that, a lot of that was kind of sparked with the crack trade and everything, yeah. everything like that, which I understand. And then in 20, recently, it was 2014, 2013, we, we had 40 murders for a whole year. And so, like, this, this, it, one thing that stuck out to me is a lot of these are people that know each other and they stem from disputes. And so it's just like, how do you police disputes? Like, right. how, how can you, like, hey, you're having an argument? Let's go, let's go. You, you can't. And it's just like conflict a, resolution. There's no real prevention. You yeah. know what I mean? And, but, but that goes back. That's why I'm so, I'm so big on this mental health kick. Yeah. Because it's, to me, it's the root. You, any problem that you're looking to solve, I, my personal belief, you look at what the root cause of this is, man. And it just ties in to stress and to not be able to control your emotions when, when whoever pulls that trigger. And like you alluded to, man, that's not anything, I'm sorry to say, man, the police don't prevent that kind of stuff. Yes, it, just, it just is what it is, man. The, the best thing... The, the best way Charlotte local government can go about it, like Vince was talking about, why are we not going back into these communities, man? Why are we not engaging in our communities? Why are there not more things to do for our youth, yeah. for, for 18 to 21-year-olds in this community? I say that age range for a reason, because it seems like that age range is the ones that's, that are involved in these in, in these murders, man. And, and I... I, I I just think that, you know, local government needs to take a long look at that. More opportunities, less people in the street, less yeah. people doing illegal activities for money. That's it, man. You, you, you load, your murder rate's going to lower. You got to keep people busy somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump into our uh, shout-outs. Uh, anybody want to go first, volunteers? Okay, I, I'll go first. Um, and I actually forgot we were supposed to do shout-outs because we stayed on the hip-hop topic yeah, so right. long. But... With everything that we've talked about with the uh, culture segment in regards to the shooting and all that good stuff, and I'm sure you guys saw that uh, Facebook um, canceled a few people's uh, profiles because they were too yeah. right-wing or too left-wing and all that, I just want to give a shout-out to everybody who's, who's fighting a good fight. I want to give a shout-out to everybody who is actually using their social media for more than just putting up food pics and gym selfies and all that. With everything going on in this society right now, everything going on in this culture with so many um, 
so many false narratives being pushed out there. I just want to say, I just want to shout out to everybody who's actually trying to disprove those narratives and trying to put that truth out there so that we can ultimately get to a better place. Okay. You know, keep going. It sucks. I know there's a, there's a lot pushing against you, but just just know that some people out there do acknowledge what it is that you're doing and just, just keep going. No doubt. Um, unfortunately, man, I have some rest in pieces I need to say, man. Uh, rest in peace to Dub C family, uh, Ebony Moore. Um, just really tired of vlogging on Facebook and seeing someone that suddenly passed away, man. Um, Rest in peace once again to uh, the victims at, at, uh, at UNC Charlotte. Um, again, you know, this is an ongoing thing, an ongoing discussion. Hopefully it will be ongoing action. Um, other than that, on a positive note, uh, uh, shout out to uh, the, Jetta, the Jetta team, A-King and Justice, uh, the Off the Wall crew, uh, great event last night. Uh, shout out to Sean Allison, who was uh, very heavy in promoting Charlotte events and keep up the good work and we'll and uh, go Canes. I want to give my shout out to the uh, Charlotte community, uh, Charlotte Strong. We're, we're here to support you. Uh, shout out to one of my uh, friends from back in the day, Brad. He got married a week and a half ago. Shout out to you and your beautiful wife. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, mine is like completely in left field, but it's something that I've been thinking about. I want to shout out the black horror movie renaissance that has been happening over like the last two years. Ma is coming out soon. The trailer for that looks great. I finally got around to watching The First Purge. It is a black horror movie. I didn't really realize that, but <laughs> it is. Okay. You know, it, it is. You know, it, I watched it. I was like, oh, this is. So uh, that, you know, we just had us a polarizing movie, but at least, you know, we don't have to. We have moved on from the dregs of Vampire in Brooklyn and Death by Temptation to, and really, and, yeah, to really get some, like, really good, uh, you know, because. To be black in America is a horror experience <laughs> on all its own, so it's great that we're finally getting some some good movies there. No doubt, like, no doubt. No doubt. Right. So, so you don't like uh, the uh, the Tyler Perry movies, the Boo, <laughs> the Boo. Yeah, you don't like acrimony. One being what? Stupid. I know what we're talking about next week. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. But, hey, appreciate y'all for watching, and uh, we'll get at y'all next week. All right.